Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you. All right, let's just jump in this morning. Got someplace I need to go. And that's not lunch. Hallelujah. I want to start with two statements that I've made before and just go from there. So first of all, it is vital, I believe, that we begin to grasp the difference between living as citizens and heirs of the kingdom of heaven and living as members of an organized religion. It's vital, I believe, that we stop viewing Jesus through the lens of holding membership in a religious organization he never came to establish. I believe that we need to begin to view Jesus through the lens of being his disciples, students, and followers of his way of life who have committed themselves to become like their master and take their place in the kingdom that he came to establish. The kingdom of heaven is a reality completely immersed in, influenced, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Outside of the person of the Holy Spirit, we cannot experience or live in the reality of the kingdom of heaven. Why is that important? Because the distinguishing mark of those who belong to the kingdom of heaven is not their membership in a religious organization or even a Christian denomination. Lots of people attending churches all over the place who have no understanding of the reality of the Holy Spirit of living in them and the reign of Christ through His Spirit in every aspect of their lives. They have no idea what it means to be shaped by the person of the Holy Spirit and His influence in their lives so that the culture that they feel most comfortable in is the culture that represents the character of Christ. They have no idea what it means to truly be walking in this kingdom. The distinction of those who live in the kingdom is to be born from above by the Spirit of God, to be taught, guided, directed, filled, empowered, transformed, and set apart through the Holy Spirit. Those people are alive to God every moment of the day, and those are God is able to use by His Spirit to increase and advance His kingdom here on earth. Hallelujah. That's who I am seeking after to be. That's who we are seeking after to be. Hallelujah. And so today I want to talk to you about, just for a few minutes, I want to talk to you about religion. Ready to be inspired? (laughs) Oh God, help us. Here we go. Man was formed from the dust of the earth and yet made inwardly in the image and the likeness of God, vitalized by the Spirit of God, the breath of God, he became a living soul. His mandate was to subdue, rule, and have dominion. That's Genesis 1.26. That's the purpose for creation. And it ends in the end of Genesis saying, and they reigned with him forever and ever. This is a story about his kingdom and his dominion, not about the establishment of a religion. But man was deceived that he would be better off to act as an independent sovereign over the earth realm. He sealed that choice by eating the forbidden fruit, and God told him that on that day that he made that choice, death would spring to life. Man caused death to spring to life. 
Immediately, humanity was severed from the life of God and plunged into the ignorance and darkness, becoming a helpless pawn of satanic schemes. Man was driven from the garden God created him to live in and sentenced to a life of toil and sweat he was never destined to know. Working the soil that he had brought under a curse and facing the forces of nature he could not control in a fight for survival. That's what man brought into this earth realm. Instinctively, here's the dilemma, instinctively, every human senses that there is a spirit realm and there are forces beyond his understanding and control. Spiritual longings and a sense of loss lay within him that he cannot define. It's in the heart of every man. He lives in the futility of a finite existence, and yet he longs for meaning and purpose, a reason for his existence, and he has this unexplainable call within him for eternity. He feels the power of his base hungers and passions, and yet his conscience still holds the whispers of an ancient glory and honor he once carried. And an etching of the law of God that is still within his conscience. He faces the forces of nature he cannot control and a future he cannot predict. He longs for the dominion he once had and for power, and he craves security and certainty. And in the realm that he lives, he sees evil and wickedness, toil and strife, sickness and disease, hatred and violence, aging and death, which he was never created to know. And he longs for a paradise he was created to live in. But all human attempts... continue to fail, and in fact, they turn into disaster. He's imprisoned in a materialistic world, but longs for some supernatural encounter and connection, something beyond himself, something to call him higher. He toils and sweat to survive every day. In a sin-cursed world, but his memory holds the faint Impression of that paradise long and a longing to escape from this life into a better place, into eternal paradise, into some state or place of tranquility. What a dilemma. What a dilemma. Created for greatness and glory. Created for dominion. Created for relationship with God. Created to know God's presence within created for peace and joy, created for life in abundance, and yet living in this present state. What a dilemma. Religion is man's attempts to deal with these longings and fears. It's as old as mankind, and its roots are very powerful. Religion is man's attempt to reach towards God, whether known as a supreme being, a higher power, a cosmic spiritual force. But religion all depends on man's effort. The need for religion in some form is a universal phenomenon. There is no culture recorded in human history which has not practiced some form of religion. And every nation has created its own God in its own image 
and resemblance. Religion is man's attempt to gain a sense of control, power, purpose, security, and certainty, both in this life and in the life to come. It's self-centered. It is this desire for power and control that attracts millions of people to witchcraft, fortune tellers, horoscopes, and spiritism. Religion seeks to secure the certainty of a better world, a place or a state of eternal bliss, a paradise free from suffering, pain, fear, and death. It wants to escape from here to there. Religion seeks to suppress the base cravings of the human nature and empower humanity to aspire to a more noble purpose and motivation. Religious provides a means to do penance, to try and escape our sense of guilt and somehow earn favor with the gods. Because of the longing, superstition, fears, and pride underlying religion and its practices, religious leaders exercise a great deal of control over their followers through fear of punishment, threat of curse, excommunication, social outrage, public humiliation. Because of the power and the profit religious leaders and organizations gain through their followers, fear, envy, jealousy can move them to hatred and violence when they feel threatened. Sounding good, isn't it? Religion has been the cause for bigotry, prejudice, hatred and violence, fear and envy, false accusation and retribution resulting in anger and strife, control and manipulation, pride and division for as long as it has existed. Don't you want to belong to a religion? However, don't you think that you have gotten free of all your religious bones? We are so prone to it. We can almost turn anything good. History has proven that mankind is more willing to die for the sake of his religion than for political, social, or ideological reasons. And over the last 2,000 years, millions have died because religious zeal is willing to take life as well in seeking to advance or defend the cause of that religion through the weapons of war. Jesus received his greatest opposition from the Jewish religious leaders, the Sadducees, the scribes, and the Pharisees. They accused him of blasphemy against God, against the temple, and inciting rebellion against the tradition of the elders. They felt threatened by his popularity and by the power in which he walked in. He in turn rebuked them for hypocritically teaching the law but not practicing it, for adding so many man-made rules and traditions to the law that it became impossible to truly serve God, for turning religious practices into a performance for the praise of man rather than seeking the praise of God, for making a profit out of man's longing to worship God. For turning people into disciples of their religion instead of true worshipers of God. 
for putting a great deal of focus on inconsequential religious details and rules while missing the weightier responsibility of showing mercy and compassion. For making greater efforts to maintain a spiritual appearance and no effort to deal with the corruption of their hearts. It was the religious leaders of Jesus' day that were stirred to envy and jealous and moved to hostility, manipulating the Roman authorities and enticing the people to demand his crucifixion. And the greatest opposition and persecution to the kingdom in our day will not come from unbelievers. It will come from those who have a faith in a religion. Religion, whether arising from cultural myths or, and legends or resulting from super, uh, some supernatural encounter of its founder, eventually become organized around a system of beliefs and practices that each one of its adherents must follow strictly. Religion requires dedication, loyalty, and a preoccupation to traditions, rituals, and observances. These become a weight and a bondage. Pride in the performance of these, though, can become a reward in and of itself. It can make you feel spiritual. It can make you feel secure. Under religion, the traditions, rituals, and observances are the focus. Adherence to religion can act religious, but still be obscene, unjust, slanderous, even murderous. If not openly, then at least in socially acceptable ways or in thoughts and actions hidden from the public eye. You can do all of the religious practices with never, and never have a transformation of your heart. One can cast out an evil and unclean spirit and minister deliverance to the demonized. But outside of true repentance, you cannot break the power of a religious spirit. Jesus didn't once try to cast it out of a Pharisee. It is powerful because it is rooted in pride and in fear. Now, that was wonderful, eh? Inspiring. Let's just say amen and go home. This might be good news to you, but when mankind fell, he did not lose religion. There was no religion in the garden. In fact, in the garden, they did not attend Sunday services. They did not sing five songs. They did not take up an offering. There was no religion in the garden, just a relationship with God and a beginning to learn as apprentice how to exercise kingdom dominion. So when man fell, they lost their connection and their relationship with God, and they lost their place of dominion within the earth. So redemption and restoration are going to be about reestablishing our relationship with God. 
reestablishing his presence among us and reestablishing our place within his kingdom and causing us to reclaim the dominion that it is that we lost. Now it might be good news to you to know that Jesus Christ did not come announcing the Christian religion is at hand. He didn't come announcing that. Repent, for the Christian religion is at hand. I have come to establish the Christian religion. He came announcing the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, have a change of mind. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he announced and he demonstrated the power of the kingdom. He taught about and he discipled men into living into the the reality and the power and the principles and the keys of kingdom living. He experienced human frailty. He pioneered the role of suffering that he might for all mankind become a compassionate high priest in order that he might lead us through the process that it takes to enter into our full sonship as heirs of his kingdom. And then acting as humanity's legal representative to offer his life as a legal transaction for the redemption of the human race And for the full atonement of their sin, he laid down his life. And then to certify the effectiveness of that legal transaction, he was raised from the dead in defiance of the power of death. And as a man, he has ascended to the right right hand of the throne of God. He has reclaimed the dominion that man has lost. And he is returning to set up his kingdom. But right now, right here and now, his kingdom lives and reigns inside of you. I just want to talk to you from my heart right now. Have you not all partaken in communion? Have you not received the emblems of his broken body and of his shed blood? Do you not know that God loved you first? And while you were yet sinners, He sent His Son to die for you. And while you were yet powerless, He sent His Son to seek and to save you. And do you not know that in His body on that cross, He took not only all of your sin, but He took your sin nature and He crucified it there on the cross. Do you not know that you are free from all of your sins and that you stand before God absolutely blameless and without accusation? You need not do penance. You do not need to follow religious observances. There is nothing lacking in your relationship with Christ. It it has been secured do you not know that 
He bore in His body all of your brokenness so that you can, through His life, be made absolutely whole. Do you not know that the cup of blessing that you take at the communion table is the antidote for all curse, is the, is the seal of your acceptance and your righteousness before God, is the assurance that you have peace with God and that you have access to all of His grace so that God can freely work in your life to do what you are powerless to do on your own. Did you not know that if you had to miss four Sunday services, it would still be true? Do you not know if for six months you could not do your morning devotions, it would still be true? Do you not know if for some reason you were failing to put your tithe in the offering, it would still be true because it is based on what He has done for you, not on what you do for Him. Hallelujah. Did you not, did you not in your heart believe that God had raised that Jesus who was crucified for you from the dead, declaring that that sacrifice has been accepted and you have been justified before God? Did you not confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord so that your life came under His Lordship and mastery? You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, He takes ownership over all of your strengths and your weaknesses, your successes and your failures, and He has promised to fully redeem you. Did it come because you somehow convinced God to come down or you in your power raised Christ from the dead or did it come because you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth what God had done for you in Christ? Okay? Hallelujah. 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 Did you not upon your confession... Hallelujah, faith in Jesus Christ. Enter into the waters of baptism. Hallelujah. And in those waters you became united with Christ in His death so that your old nature was crucified and buried. So let me ask, when you're trying to do penance, why are you doing penance for a dead man? Were you not also raised from the dead, united with Christ in His resurrection, not because of your righteousness, but because of His righteousness, raised to new life, a new creation in Christ Jesus, by the power and the operation of the Spirit of God? If you could not raise yourself from the dead, then why do you think you have the power in your own strength to live for God? Is it not the same power of His Spirit that raised you from the dead that is now at work in you to transform you and empower you to live for Him?
Is it not the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that has set you free from the law of sin and death so what the law could not do, weak as it was in the flesh, God could do not only sending His Son in the likeness of sinful death and for sin, but in order that the righteousness of the law could be fulfilled in you who live not as a natural man striving through religion to earn His way, but you who depend upon upon the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ living in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you not a temple of the Holy Spirit? Has He not come to live inside of you? Then if He is living inside of us, if He is here, if He is present, why do we have to sing five songs to get Him to come down? We can still sing five songs. But, okay, I tell you what. You release the Spirit of God within you. You fill the atmosphere with your praise. You're not trying to bring anyone down. You're not trying to work anything up. You have living in you Christ Himself. Do you know who He is that's living in you? Paul prays. He prays. I, I, I'm praying that God would give you a spirit of, of revelation regarding this so that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith so that you would be rooted and grounded in the love I have for you. Because Christ, Christ is the one who has ascended to the right hand of the Father above all principalities and powers, above all titles and all names. He has all authority and He has all power both in the invisible realm and in the visible realm. He is Lord at the right hand of God and He is coming to be King of kings and Lord of lords over all the nations of the earth. And that one who holds that authority and power lives inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you know this. You can be taken out of the loop as far as church and carry the power of God within you. I believe that about you. I want you to hear that again. I believe that about you. So if I am carrying His presence, I am carrying His glory, I can step into the awareness of His presence at any moment. I have the One who is King of kings and Lord of lords living in me. I have the One who Himself is the full radiance of the Father's glory, is the mirror image of the Father's nature. I have Him living in me. I have the influence of His constant relationship within my heart. I'm transformed by relationship, not by effort. Everything that religion strives to attain, I have already. I live in already. I live in it already. The one who has the fullness of God in him, the fullness of God's grace, the fullness of God's truth has come to live inside of me. I have that already. I have that already. I'm living in it. I simply believe in my heart, make it the confession of my mouth, and I step into the reality, and I live in the reality.
Well then, well then, and let me just say something else. I know I'm, I'm just talking from my heart. I'm not actually throwing a bunch of scriptures at you, but if you want to read from the scriptures where I'm talking about, Ephesians 1 and 2, but read the whole book. Colossians 1 and 2, but read the whole book. Ephesians 1 and 2, but read the whole book. But if you actually read it, having heard what I'm talking to you about, you'll realize it says it really plainly. It says it really plainly. And the apostles, especially Apostle Paul as he's writing, he wants us to understand this reality so that we don't get lost and hooked and snagged into religious thinking and religious living, but we learn how to live out of the reality of our relationship with God and the power of His presence within us. So those who are living, not in religion, but they are living in the kingdom, which is here and now, they are not putting in time, waiting to escape to heaven in the sweet by and by. Instead, they are citizens of the kingdom here and now. They are living under the covenant blessings and benefits of the kingdom here and now. They have access to the common wealth, the resources, the finances, the blessings, and the benefits of living in the kingdom of heaven here and now. They are understanding how to use the keys that link with faith to access the kingdom here and now. They are not looking to escape to paradise. They are looking to live in the reality of His peace and His blessing and His fullness now and to be conduits of the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. They don't pray, Our Father which is in heaven, take us to heaven now. They pray, your kingdom come, your will be done here as it is in heaven. So they are living in the constant reality and dynamic of the king by his spirit having residence within their lives and reigning within their lives so that every environment that they are in, every activity that they are in, every relationship that they are in, they are in it in order for His kingdom and His glory to be revealed. They are invading their world with the kingdom, not seeking to escape their world to the kingdom. Hallelujah. It's completely different. It's completely different. Are you with me? So are you members of religion? Or are you citizens of the kingdom? Are you members of religion or are you citizens of the kingdom? And where are you invading? And where are you carrying the kingdom to? Hallelujah. I'm done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to pray a prayer and then I need to do an assignment here. 
Hallelujah. So, Father, I've just shared from my heart. Lord, as I, as I have begun to seek you, and God, follow the call to seek those things that are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God, to not let my affections be on the things of this earth, but things that are above, to invest my life there. Lord, as you have been taking a scripture I've known for so long, seek first the kingdom of God and to live in the righteousness it empowers and provides. Live in right relationship to that kingdom. And all these things shall be added unto you. Lord, I've come to recognize, God, how strong God, the, the forms of religion are. The pull of religion, the hold of religion is within the mindsets, within the heart, within the thinking. I've come to recognize that, God, how much I trust in the things that I see. And, God, I put my reliance and my faith there, and I live, God, with my affections attached there. God, all the while thinking that I understand what it means to live in your kingdom. But God, you're arresting and disrupting all of that in so many different ways, at so many different levels. And I feel like I'm just at the beginning. And Lord, I sense that you're coming in here with these people. And Lord, as I hear different stories that are happening in this life, in their lives, I'm recognizing that your kingdom is invading, God, the way that they think and the way that they do things and where their priorities and where their trust is. Lord, as we're announcing the kingdom, not just feeling like we're at the brink, but we're announcing your kingdom. God, something is shifting in this place. Hallelujah. And it's going to go deeper than any of us realize. But I want to thank you and praise you, hallelujah, that you are purposed hallelujah, to give us the kingdom. It is your good pleasure to give us this kingdom. You want us to understand this message. You want us to understand this reality and live in it. And I'm asking you for your grace to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.